Get stoked for the new single, Heard It All Before, from Vancouver rock and rollers Ben Sinister, out March 16th on Cordova Bay Records. Visit cordovabay.com to pre-save on Spotify Plus and see more of our upcoming releases, including local blues keyboardist David Vest's self-titled LP, out April 6th. Cordova Bay Records, celebrating 20 years of local music. The first rhyme that ever came through on recording for La Rosa was, um, do you want to hear it? Yeah. Okay. 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 Um, so it was, it was whispered. It was, oh, lucky thing you left in love. Hey, acronym assimilate ascension. R, right and ready, right, right, reach and rapture, action. Oh, operation opalescent obsession. S, stimulate sentient seduction. A, an ape of possible ambition. Yep. Woo! <laughs> I guess, <laughs> I guess um, the name, I mean, the name has definitely been, been big since the beginning and played a lot into my creative, uh, the creative flow from there. Ready? Hello, listeners. Welcome, Welcome back, back to CFUV All Access Podcast, where we talk about music and all the cool and weird things that make music cool and weird. <laughs> My name is Elise. I'm the full-time podcast producer, part-time podcast hoster. This is our fourth episode of All Access, which means if you haven't been listening until now, there are two things I need to tell you. One, you have some serious catching up to do. And two, I always get a super cool musical co-host to come on and get deep and introspective on the topic of the week. But today I have two people here with me, which is great. Why don't you guys uh, introduce yourselves? Hi, my name's Joseph LaRue. I'm a guitar player and a songwriter, and I perform with a band called Bridal Party. Is that all? I also play in a band called Tobias Young right now, uh, and those are like the two projects that are like happening on the regular. Only two? Oh my god. Just kidding. Uh, who are you? My name is Campbell McClintock. I am a local man and interviewer for the All Access podcast. What's it like to be an unlocal man, though? It's very foreign and exotic. <laughs> That's great. How are you guys doing today? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, I'm cold a little. You have two sweaters on. I'm Listener, too... she has two sweaters on. I'm wearing two sweaters. Right now, we're doing kind of an informal podcast where we are seated in a very comfy living room. It might be mine. It might not be mine. I don't know. Sometimes you just got to take podcasts a little less serious, you know? Chill out. We're sipping tea infused with dandelion and maple syrup. That's what people do in Victoria. That's where we're <laughs> recording from. 
Victoria, British Columbia. What what else do we do here? Uh, ride ten speed bicycles in the rain. More often than not. Yeah. Spend a lot of money on raincoats. Mm. Yeah, or Valley no. Village. I think that we go to a lot of really cool shows. Yeah, we do. It's a lot of great music in like a really small town. Which segues, which se- which leads us forward <laughs> with the segue. Speaking of music, this <laughs> is a music podcast. So, uh, we briefly met Celeste in the last episode, which was kind of a happy accident. Initially, I had planned to interview her on the origin of her alias to expand on identity as a theme for this very episode. Uh, But we got to talking about vocal tones and sound healing, which is a very vast and illuminating topic. Her involvement in vocal tones ended up leading to an entire segment, lo and behold. But just in case you missed the last episode, and just because Celeste deserves infinite introductions, Celeste Rose Huvener is an amazing hip-hop artist who goes by Lady La Rosa, that is... L, capital L, A, lowercase, capital R, lowercase O, dollar sign, lowercase A. Yeah, can't fight that. This is fate and that's a fact. Yeah, don't step back from the plate or from the track. Yeah, can't fight that. This is fate and that's a fact. Yeah, don't step back from the plate or from the track. This segment begins with a conversation about identity. Musicians have a choice. As performers, they can identify with their given name or they can identify with whatever name they give themselves, like Lady La Rosa. Here's why she does it. Tell us about, uh, tell us about your name now. I want to hear the history of that kind of and like what it means to you, what it means about like identity choosing La Rosa's, your name. Yeah. Um, so in some ways, like, obviously we make choices, um, but in a lot of ways I do feel like the Rose, La Rosa chose me in, in many ways. Mm-hmm. My middle name is Rose and my birth name is Celeste Rose Huvener. Beautiful. That is what is on the birth certificate. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Rose in some ways is a very obvious symbol in our culture. It's like, it's everywhere, but at the same time, there is, there's some mystery to that. And, you know, what is the rose and why does it symbolize all these things? And I feel like in a big way, like the rose represents our human's ability to have an intention or a desire and bring that desire into manifestation and I see that um, in the way that people have cultivated the rose over thousands of years. And granted, we do this with all sorts of things. We do this with um, animals, ourselves, different plants. Um, but the rose itself, as um, I mean, we've used. I mean, we definitely use it as as a lot of things. And so, um, for me, I've I've always loved the rose, and um, kind of its narrative in my own life as a representation for uh, choice and expression and passion and desire and love and all that. Um, and death is mm-hmm. a big thing. Death, life, cycle. Um, death and roses? My parents, 
Death and Roses. Um, really? Like, my, um, yeah, like, Roses, as a, I mean, you'll see Roses at weddings, you'll see Roses at funerals. Oh, true, true. Um, like, one of the first, uh, I mean, not, maybe, maybe not one of the first, but a, narr- but a narrative that I grew, grew up being, um, you seeing a lot was Romeo and Juliet and the Rose. A rose will bloom and then will die. Um, that song that, or that song that is in, I don't know, I don't know who who directed that, who directed the movie. But have you heard that song? Yes, and I have. A rose will bloom. Yeah, that yeah. song. <laughs> so um, another little phrase that, like, my parents used to, my parents used to call me the rose amongst the thorns, oh. and. I think one of my favorite little yogi yogi tea, or I don't even know traditional medicinal is something like a little tea tea phrase in the back. It says um, something like to like if you want the rose, you must respect the thorn, or something like that. And I love that that sense of duality is that this rose is like this coveted thing that we put on a pedestal in a lot of ways yet you can't fully grasp it or grasp it without um, being careful because it might poke, you know, it might hurt you, poke you, make you bleed, stab you, mm-hmm. whatnot. So, and then, you know, the petals themselves are so soft. So there's this, um, there's this extreme to it. And I feel like I relate to that. I feel like I have many extremes. I can be mm-hmm. very soft and I can be, very poignant and sharp at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the middle of that um, is just me, and those are just expressions of all of the same thing. And so while they might seem opposite or different, they all are within the same the same being, same plant. And um, and so yeah, I like I like the. I like the symbolism of that, and um, I feel like where a lot of my music and what I do artistically is merely uh, reflecting what I see in different areas of my life, Mm -hmm. there is a definite um, crossing point where there's choice within that, and there's choice on how, how I express, and there's a certain aspect of refinement and um, cultivation, cultivation of my sound, my delivery, this this sort of thing to bring it to that point where I can feel it inside and I feel what I want, what I want to express and how I want to express it. But it might take years of of really working and focusing and letting this thing grow mm-hmm. organically until that happens. And then what comes from it, you can't control. There is no control in that. There's only the choice to, you know, change variables or whatever of how you're treating this plant, this rose. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in some ways I see that for myself and then also for, for my craft, various choice, um, various choices. So, so yeah, that, that in some ways is, um, is yeah part part of that part of that for me and it's interesting too because like there's um 
I think I've, in some ways, I've wanted to be unique in some areas of my life. Like, I feel like everyone has, like, a struggle of wanting to be unique, but also wanting to assimilate in some ways. Mm -hmm. And um, I've kind of, you know, felt like an outsider and this or that sometimes in my life. But the rose is is interesting because I feel like it's so personal to me, but it's one of the most, you know, famous, like, famous plants. So how is that, you know, how is that unique for me to identify with that? And um, I think that there's something good that comes from, you know, identifying in something that connect can connect us, can connect us as a, as a, you know, as humankind. And so there's some there's some universe universality is that a word? Some universal yeah. attributes to to the rose, which I do I do like because um, yeah, I mean, although I I have some some thoughts and vibes and stuff that come from way out there and some people can't relate to like the rose is something that people can relate to in a lot of ways it's true and at the end of it all like even with a sense of independent identity and using an object that you relate to it's that's how you reach your masses you know that's how you speak to a greater whole is through relatability and if it's like an independent thing for you but also a universal thing like that's it's kind of beautiful as a as a performer Right. Yeah, it's interesting, like, because I can try so hard to make a certain point or something with something that I create or say a certain message, but what the receiver interprets it as is, like, totally their own thing. Mm-hmm. And it can be completely different from what you intended, and I've discovered sometimes it's completely the opposite of your per- of your intention or your purpose, which, you know, can teach you something on your delivery, but it also can teach you something on... Um, just letting you know, letting go of people's opinions or whatever. Just you know, they they create their own realities, just like you create your own. Yeah, yeah. R O S A. 
yeah. Uh, I guess Lady came through as um, kind of a personal identifying as uh, as like a feminine as a feminine being, and um, I definitely um, enjoy uh, navigating through a lot of things, free of gender roles or this or that. But I, I do identify as a woman in this life, mm-hmm. and um, I and I and I do a really I like the whole um, the concept of being able to choose who you are um, with, I mean, kind of going back to how we can choose how we cultivate the rose. Um, I mean, we have the freedom of choice in so many ways. And so I've, I've been really inspired by, um, by a lot of my transgender friends and family that are, um, that they feel something inside and they, um, they have to work to express that to other people and to know thyself and to show that to other people. So, um, so that, um, came through as, you know, part of my identity. It's not the core of my identity. I wouldn't even say that. Yeah. If, you know, somebody said Lady La Rosa, that would, you know, that's not, that's not it. It's definitely La Rosa, but, um, but having that is, um, just, you know, something that came along with that, I guess. Um, so yeah, I'd say that that's, that's the lady aspect. Um, and, um, I mean, and there's something also ironic to it because I definitely feel like I have some, some kind of masculine traits and am comfortable within that. And, uh, you know, especially in the, in the rap world, um, I feel like there's some ironic, (laughs) ironic character, like some ironic aspects of it, of, you know, saying lady. Um, but, uh, to the that cash money symbol that infamous cash money symbol why i chose to put it in the name there are um there are there are a couple like reasons and aspects um they they range from superficial to not so superficial um but yeah i mean that's another aspect of my choice in the whole thing but um i really like how it looks when you write it out with the capital a capital l Lowercase a, capital R, mm-hmm. lowercase o, cash money sign, lowercase a. Yeah. I feel like that. It's like a nice up, down, up, down, up, down. It almost looks, it looks more like a logo. I just aesthetically like how it looks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> first off, and um, it is it is in some ways a little bit of a joke. Yeah. Um, the cash money symbol in your name. It's like how seriously can you take yourself um, but, <laughs> and so it's kind of a risk. I feel like it's kind of a risk that I took in some ways. Um, I was just feeling it and went with it. Um, but I really like how the cash symbol, um, speaks to our value system as people and how we use cash to, you know, assign value to things. I think that that's crazy and insane and awesome that we can take an arbitrary thing and, you know, put put value on it. And, um, you know, I had to definitely choose a lot of different things that I valued in order to get to a place where I could make, make my art and present it and exposition it to people. And um, I have to value it myself and in order to you know, show something of value or something that somebody might value and um, want to listen to. Um, 
so that's the basis of it. Um, and then also the the symbology of like the cash the cash symbol itself, like where where we've kind of where we got that. Um, some think that it relates to the pillars of Hercules, which um, the real the real pillars of Hercules uh, are two kind of mountainous ranges on the Strait of Gibraltar, mm-hmm. um, on the Strait of Gibraltar, and um, and it divides Europe and Africa, and you know I mean there's so much you know that goes through there, but in uh, other ways that it's been portrayed on. I think the Spanish coat of arms, it's actual pillars. Like, you know, if you imagined like, uh, you know, Hercules, um, like big, strong Hercules, like pushing down columns and pillars, like that would be it. Um, and there's some mythology around that being these, uh, portals of perception. And I feel like that relates to how we uh, assign value is how we perceive things and how we perceive things. Um, can change our world, can change our reality. So the portal of perception, like our mind, our eyes, what we look through, our lens, um, which is also interesting because it's within this rose, these like rose-colored glasses, how people say that uh, as a phrase, like, I don't know, I feel like it kind of all comes together with, um, like it, it all kind of relates in this package of like personal choice and expression and filters, and this is kind of like my filter, and my sense of value of like what I, what I'm feeling to come through. And, um, although in, in the coat of arms, the, the S or the S would be flags. I think it kind of looks like a snake with the S. Yeah. And, uh, it kind of, it kind of reminds me of, um, it kind of reminds me of the medical symbol where there's a snake going through and, uh, just like as, you know, creative, creative forces going, um, all, all that. So that kind of, yeah, I guess that's, you know, that's kind of how I make sense of it in my mind. Um, but when it comes down to it, yeah, it's just, that's just how it kind of worked out with my choice. That's so awesome. Um, so I like it. I like it. Yeah. I like the dollar sign. I like the idea of not really taking anything so seriously and like, it's kind of a challenge to like, have so much sentimental value and then on top of it be like, well, you know, this is going to really lighten things up and identify with it. Mm -hmm. Has anyone ever given you a hard time for your name? Or have you ever had like a funny Uh, encounter with it? I think probably. Yeah. Um, I think that, um, probably my number one, my uh, probably, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, I get a lot of, uh, I got haters. I got haters. And I just want like to say, love to the haters. Yes. Love to the haters and do it for the kids. I just got to say that. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I got to say. Um, <laughs> but um, I think uh, I definitely have to uh, fight for my right to have my chosen alias spelled the right way, like the way that I want it on posters and stuff like that. Yeah. I've had to, uh, you know, have people go back and be like, that's not my name. That who, Who's that coming? Because that's not me. Capital but, L, you know, lowercase a, okay? No, yeah. the R is capitalized. <laughs> and then it's like the L-A 
space R O S A is like I don't even know. It's like, <laughs> um, yeah. Again, can't take it too seriously, but also have to you know be clear. But um, I will say, rather than stating something that's like you know, I mean, um, of course people are gonna hate on on something like that. Maybe I guess, but I will say one of my friends did give me a uh, give me a nickname, and that's uh, young. That was it turned from. Uh, psilocybin, young psilocybin, young silly, young windowsill. <laughs> so he ended up just calling me window, young windowsill. Oh my God. And uh, so, so the window, which I find is interesting because it essentially has the same meaning as La Rosa in the way that it's like the window is like how you see things. and But then how within that nickname is the, like, the psilocybin silly silly because I feel like I feel quite silly sometimes and I definitely add that like that humor that that um that kind of devil's advocate gesture to some people and I feel like that uh, that can sometimes you know bring up some red flags for people yeah (laughs) but um usually I find when people kind of you know hate on something that I do it's them projecting something onto what I'm doing rather than uh, you know, or, or like saying, oh, that sucks, or oh, you're this or you're that, or you're trying to be this, when it's like, I'm not necessarily trying to be, I'm not trying to be anyone, I'm not trying to do this or that, except for obviously myself, I mean, maybe not so obviously to people, but this is just just kind of like what I do, I'm not trying, I'm not even trying to be a rapper, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not trying to be this or that, <laughs> um, it's just kind of what, what I do. Yeah, totally. Through at that time, Mm -hmm. and I'm not necessarily always going to be expressing in that way because that was then and this is now. I totally relate to that. It's so (laughs) funny. It's like I'm not trying to be a journalist. I literally just go out and interview people and get investigative and like get my nose into shit. It's 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 what I do. I'm not like giving it a title or anything. It's literally just what (laughs) I'm doing. Totally. Yeah. So it's like. Oh, you think you can just come out here and go, oh, like you think you you want to you want to be a journalist? Yeah, that. <laughs> it's true weird. though. It's uh, other people. It's a projection. Yeah. Sometimes, if somebody somebody hates on what you do, that's an opportunity to get stronger, or an opportunity to know when not to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't have to share my music with anyone. I don't have to share myself at all. So. If somebody, if some people come down and like hammer down with some hate bomb, like there's a good chance that I probably won't want to share it with them anymore. I would definitely say to people who troll on other people's things, you try to do it. Right? If you don't like it, go do something better. Yeah. Like, come on, like you know, reply something like this. Actually, you know, like put some put some energy into what you're doing. If you don't, if you don't like what you see, do it better. And I feel like. I've learned a lot about that in my own critique and criticism of, you know, people wanting, of, of people, um, uh, you know, whether I'm like, oh, she's so this or she's so that I can do it better. It's like, you know, you got, you got to pay, you got to pay some respects and, um, you know, respect the people that you might, you know, hate on have actually cultivated something that's quite excellent, um, obviously occurring to some people when they see me is in certain demographics is my gender is my race is you know my my this or my that yeah and then you know people call me you call me names like I think 
some of my first and only like comments on some of my social media sites was like Iggy Azalea, Iggy Azalea. Why did they say that? Why did they say that? Do I do I do I have anything in common with her? Honestly, um, there comes a, a big set of fears for me when I'm about to release it, and this has happened all throughout growing up because my art is so personal to me or some of, you know, a lot of it is so personal to me that sometimes it almost hurts to put out and there's, there can be a bunch of, you know, fear that comes up and that you have to, you have to overcome that Mm -hmm. to be able to share. I mean, I'm not, I'm not afraid to own it as myself, but I also do find a healthy detachment in, um, that I can, I can step away from one moment as expressing as this and go into the next. Yeah, but um, a lot of people who are listening to my music and have listened to my music and gone through this whole thing know me personally. Mm-hmm. So it has felt, um, yeah, it has felt pretty personal. The the La Rosa thing and um, people call me La Rosa, like my parents, my brothers. Um, my sister, I mean, these sort of people in my life that will sometimes drop that as my name. So it's become kind of a nickname or part of me and as it is like a, a creation or an expression of me. Okay, so what do you think? Like, what do you think about um, having an alias versus going by your given name i've yeah i've always seen an alias or uh i mean i guess i've always yeah i've always seen an alias as just like a way to kind of like focus in on like certain qualities of yourself or like a way that you'd like to be uh it seems like for la rosa for her it's like she talks about the rose as like a symbol of intention uh, and how to a lot of people or she thinks that the rose is a symbol of bringing desire to fruition and like the death and life cycle and like the rose and thorn duality and all these things are like iconic and and cliche just in the sense that like we don't even know where this imagery came from we just know it it's ubiquitous uh and it's something that she can project herself onto further and it's as general as water it's as general as air it's like a symbol that we're all so familiar with Mm -hmm. she can just grab onto it um, and it, yeah, I think it implies for her intention as much as an identity. She wants to be a rose with a thorn. She wants you to hear that in her music. That was a very apt response. Thanks. Yeah. Okay, I have a quiz for you guys. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah are you guys ready for this? Yeah. This is pop quiz hour. So I have some nice. uh, band names that bands went under mm-hmm. secretly. Oh, and ooh, fun. And I'm going to quiz you guys and see if you can guess who they are. So this band went under Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. That's the Beatles. Okay, see, people know things. I don't know things. I'm not a musician. Nope, I am just a witnesser. I am a professional witnesser. That's what I do, and then I tell you about it. Okay, easy. One point for Joe. Woo! Four Melvin, Giganticus, and the Turd Burglars. Four, like the number. Yeah. Melvin, Giganticus, and the Turd Burglars. Campbell. Is it the Melvins? Nope. Do you want a hint or do you just... I want a hint. Okay, so just about as popular as the Beatles. Um, Two words. First one has to do with something you put in a pencil. Lead? 
Zeppelin. Ah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. That's a good one. Hey? Yeah. Burglars. Push. Apparently, this musician had multiple, but this was um, multiple identities, but this was his big one. It was Alexander Nevermind. Oh, that's familiar. It wasn't Kurt Cobain, was it? Okay, it's funny that you say that. It's just because, because you said Nevermind, that's all. Yeah, can you explain that to me? Because... There's a Nirvana album called Nevermind. That's what it is. Okay, because it's it's like stated in this thing I was reading that it's... Okay, do you guys want to take a guess? Who it, who is it, it is? like it gives you the clue and then it says, hint, it's not Nirvana? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. What happened? And I was like, well, but why? But what does that mean as the huge Nirvana fan that I am? Alexander, never mind. It's somebody who is kind of reminiscent of somebody that we're going to talk to later. Prince. Ding, 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 nice. ding. Um, okay, last one. What are we at here? I got, got one point. You got one, got one, got... one and then one for the house. <laughs> okay, here's the tiebreaker. Bernard Shaky. It's a great name. That's good. Is there any... Give us, give us the clue. Um, Canadian. Oh. We really like this Canadian. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um... We, we like most Canadians. Peaches? No, it's uh, Neil Young. Ding, ding. Um. <laughs> okay. Um, I was going to say something about Snoop Lion now. <laughs> yeah. What about probably a good idea. P. Diddy. <laughs> P. Diddy briefly changed his name to Brother Love. No way. Whoa. And then he took it back. Because he was yeah, a daddy, yeah. then he was I, a brother. I think he should go back to Brother Love, do it for the people. Check out the latest album Slow Wave by The Velveteens on Fierce Panda Canada. Featuring surf pop jams like All Night Baby, Don't You Feel Better, and Midnight Surf. Find it on Spotify, Apple Music, and wherever you listen. Head to fiercepanda.ca for more info. Welcome back to part two of the podcast. For the second half of this episode, we're going to look at the alias from a slightly different angle. The alias that is born out of necessity. Tristan Thompson is a Victoria-born musician who now goes by the name Diamond Cafe. He was originally producing music under his own legal name, but due to a set of unforeseen circumstances, he had to change the sound, style, and name of his project. We're going to talk to Tristan about what happened exactly. Here's Tristan. 
So I was um, I was signed to a independent record label when I was 14. And uh, so what they wanted me to the one what they wanted to mold me into was you know like the next Justin Bieber like you know Team Pop kid. And um, I just kind of, as time grew on, like it was, it did all right. Like we got a lot of radio play across Canada, but um, I was just growing and I was starting to produce my own music and I felt, you know, that I needed to go out and be myself, right? And so uh, I started writing songs and I presented it to the indie label I was under and they thought it was way too sexual. <laughs> because they wanted to keep me as like a, a Disney style artist. Totally. And I was like 18 at this point. So um, I just, I got so fed up that I was supposed to be signed to this record label until I was 21, but I pissed them off so much that they had to break the contract. <laughs> How did you piss them off? And so what I did was I was supposed to perform like four of their songs at this festival that I was supposed to, that I was gonna do. Which festival and but when? It was like, it was something in Toronto. It was like, I think it was part of the Toronto Zoo or something like that. And so I did that festival and instead of performing their songs, I performed my songs. And that like pissed them off so much that they, they cut my contract. That's great. That's punk rock. That's punk pop. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so punk pop. How were you feeling after that show? Um, I was feeling kind of a little lost because, um, I haven't really, like, I hadn't released music under myself. Um, it's always been with a label, so it's kind of a little weird at first. Um, but that's why I changed my uh, my name, because they own my name till I'm 21, so. I don't know if you guys are picking up on that, but his record label owns his name. He can't yeah. use his name. To... How do you feel about that? It's really weird. I mean... It's insane. And if I was to ever release music under Tristan Thompson, I feel they would come and sue me. <laughs> oh my God, that is the most roundabout sense of identity. Isn't that crazy? That's so crazy, man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Have you always been attracted to the idea of a pseudonym? Um, I always have been, um, but I really never, like at the time when I was signed and stuff, I really never thought of anything. Um, we were actually thinking of something like when I was signed to this record label because, you know, there's that basketball player who plays for Cleveland, I think. His name is Tristan Thompson as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He mm -hmm. kept popping up when yeah. I was doing my homework on you. And so that was another issue. Like, when you'd look my name up, that guy would come up. So there was always talk about, like, oh, you should get a different name to go on so, you know, you don't come up with that guy. So Tell us about uh, about Diamond Cafe and how that differs from what you were doing when you were signed in your younger years. Diamond Cafe is just, it's more of like my vibe, like it's more of like my life now, like it's, how I got the name was actually in a dream, um, so I was like in this like kind of flat desert land and it was like almost post-apocalyptic like the sky was like dark purple and like it was just insane like the visuals and i was walking all alone and i came up to this this lone 
kind of cafe style building. It was like all like kind of like, you know, 80s style and very, very neon lights. And I went inside and there's just a whole bunch of different styles of music playing. And that's kind of how I basically got the name. And so it's just become like almost like a, a world now. Diamond Cafe is like a different universe type of thing. So do you feel like what what creative freedoms does working as Diamond Cafe afford you? Oh, it like I feel just so like I've I was actually getting like very depressed when I was in the contract. So now I I just feel more free in myself and and it uh, gets me to explore like sounds that I haven't you know really tapped into when I was you know younger like. I've really gotten into, uh, you know, vintage synthesizers and stuff, and that's really, you know, the whole kind of, that's what I base Diamond Cafe off of, is just retro gear, and it's just gotten me to explore and just create with drum machines and stuff, and it's just, it's been amazing. How do you feel when you watch videos your 2015 2014 Tristan Thompson persona like do you identify with that person no way not at all now did you ever identify <laughs> with that person oh so weird no no maybe no, um actually the way I've always been I've always been an entertainer so um that side of me never left but just the persona and like my personality has definitely changed mm-hmm. can you talk more about that change um so i was just i was just a little more like close-minded back in back in those days i was just really you know told how to dress told you know how to i you know what they even hired somebody to tell me how to speak <laughs> wow. wow it was it it was insane it was almost like i was being like it's like i was a puppet it was so crazy and um now i'm just I'm free and I feel, you know, my mind is opened and I just feel so much better about myself. Well, that's great to hear. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, so. That's insane. They really wanted you to be exactly, they wanted you to be a product. mm -hmm. They wanted me to be perfect. (laughs) But, you know, how old were you at that time? 17? I was, yeah, around there. Yeah, so, you know, a lot of people at that age, I'm going to say actually very few people at that age have a clear idea of who they are and what they want, and if you're malleable, mm-hmm. it's easy. Exactly, yeah. I'm always attracted to, like, the type of music and, like, the type of visions that I am, you know, going with now, but it's just, it was, it wasn't, you know, I just kind of like, oh, that'd be cool, and then just kind of brush it off. Mm-hmm. So... What kept you going when you were recording music as Tristan Thompson? Um, just meeting new people. Like, I got to meet a lot of people. Like, I got to work with, um, like, geez, I got to work with this. I got to work with Michael Jackson's backup vocalist for when, um, at, when he did This Is It. And uh, I got to work with Elton John's keyboard player as a producer. And, like, 
so many cool, interesting people. Um, and that's probably what kept me going um, because they just, they knew that I had something in me, but, you know, I just wasn't, it just wasn't being, you know, expressed through the record label's music. So they really gave me hope, so. And so before this label scouted you, what what were you doing? You must have been like like fourteen or or younger. What was your daily like like? I was I was actually a Michael Jackson impersonator. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would like busk on the streets of Victoria, and uh, I uh, I just did covers on YouTube, and that's how they discovered me. Have your parents felt about this weird identity grappling um, thing going on with your record label? They're, they're all supportive. Like my dad basically acted as my manager at the time. So he was kind of like, you know, he really experienced a lot of hate. Like the record label even told my mom and dad that they never raised me right. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. I know, right? Just yeah. out there to get you, hey? Exactly, yeah. Whatever it takes. Yep. And you're lucky you have supportive parents and oh, yeah. like a good grasp on what you actually want to do. That's so great. Mm -hmm. There's got to be some sort of shock value going from videos with 2 million views to 2,000 <laughs> views. Yeah, no, it's, it's you know, I'm, I'm happy with it because I'm not, you know, right now I ain't looking for like that whole fame side or anything. I just want to put out music that I enjoy making and, I like seeing people dance. <laughs> totally. Do you think you know, you'd feel that way now if you hadn't had the experience with fame that you did? I'm sorry? Do you think you would feel that way if you hadn't had the experience with fame that you have had? You know what? I I don't really know, you know, um, because without that record label or anything, I wouldn't I've had the money to really get all my like studio equipment and my microphones and my keyboards and anything. So, mm -hmm. you know, I kind of, I do owe a little bit, you know, to them, you know, there is some like, you know, some good to what happened because I wouldn't have really found a lot of my higher register without them, you know, giving, you know, putting me up with vocal coaches and everything. So there is some good that came out of it. What, what kind of training did you go through uh, as a musician? Um, really nothing. I just self-taught myself. What about I don't even know how to, oh, sorry. I don't Continue. even know how to read or write or really even know any chords. I just play it by feeling. What about vocally? Um, vocally, I was trained by some, two vocal coaches in Toronto. And, uh, they really helped me to find my higher register through like vocal warm-ups and how to, uh, you know, treat it properly without like screaming or like, you know, tearing your vocal cords apart. <laughs> I listened to you rip a pretty good note on YouTube before we called. It was pretty oh, yeah. amazing. Yeah, it was uh, a breathe. It was called Breathe. Yes. Yeah. A live video. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Near the end, you pick up the guitar and then it's just... And it's just that voice just takes over. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I love that you close with that song. The the double time is friggin' amazing. 
Oh yeah, that's that's always gonna be the quote because that gets all get that gets people going. <laughs> it gets people going. Does your uh, band have much say in the identity of Diamond Cafe, or is it mostly your vision? Um, it's mostly my vision, but I, you know, I give them, I give them freedom to do, you know, um, improvisation, like, you know, like, uh, my bass player will change some parts and stuff, and, uh, you know, the drummer will add extra fills, keyboardist, guitarist, it just, you know, kind of, we all work together. How did they come into Diamond Cafe? You know what? I don't even know. It just kind of happened. <laughs> just kind of, you yeah. know, meeting people and just, you know, getting out. Are they are they people that you knew in high school or friends that you met in the music um, scene? A couple. I knew a couple people from high school, but um, I just kind of met them along, like friends through friends kind of thing and all that, mostly. What's your experience been with the Victoria music scene? Um, it's been a little slow so far, but, uh, as I'm getting more shows, it's, it's, it's getting there. You um, feel like you've been working to crack that nut for a little while. Yeah, yeah. So, and now that I have a full band, it's, like, getting way better. Because I was just going out with an eye, with a laptop and, like, backing tracks. Do you have any advice for the kids? Um, just, like, uh... I know this sounds corny, but, like, stay true to your dream because, like, things that are happening with me, like, recently, like, and now I freaking believe anything is possible. <laughs> We're all happy you made it to the other side. Yeah. That's true. Oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, I'm glad you're making this music. Appreciate it. And, um, yeah, I'm glad you're making the music you're making. No. I've gotten so much people telling me that um, I'm never going to, I'm not going to make a, I'm not going to make it with this music, like, they're telling me like, oh yeah, you'll never, you'll never get anybody with this type of music. It's too 80s. It's too this and that. And, but you know, keep true and things happening. You know. Those people are so wrong. Yeah, man. You oh, don't yeah. get uh, hooked up with Pharrell Williams and Blood Orange if you're doing something people can't relate to. Yeah. Tristan, what do you want to say to the haters? Um. That I love them. Keep me going. <laughs> Good attitude. That's beautiful. I wish I was that positive. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Okay, last question. Well, potentially, but if you do you think you're gonna stick with Diamond Cafe? Do you ever like wonder about switching your pseudonym alias? Or do you feel like confident and and we really identify with this? I feel confident about it right now, but maybe sometime in the future it might change. Mm -hmm. I'm not too sure. What's up for Just Shane? depending on where I go art artistically.
it must have been so depressing, like he was saying, to perform for all these people who were apparently super stoked to see him, but really it was just like the image and the that, pop star personality. There, yeah, that broke to. my heart. That a totally bit. stuck in my with me in my head. Like I had that vision, which yeah. I we see every day. Yeah, you, walking around town, people with their heads down on their phones, and you're thinking you're like giving your all, you're giving your heart to these people, and to look down and they're just totally disengaged. Yeah. With big shout out going to start with my editor editing podcast is an art form a time-consuming art form it really is and for that Kevin Hammond I thank you for creating such beautiful content and making me sound even slightly more intellectual thank you so much shout out to Tristan Thompson can't wait till he gets his name back when he's 21 <laughs> we're rooting for you I'd also like to thank Celeste Huvener for going into such great detail about the origin of the alias, Campbell McClintock. Uh, my interviewer, Joe LaRue, my co-host. Next week we have a how-to guide for you, another one on how to write a song in three steps. It's going to be even easier than starting a band, which Campbell and I have done, right? We're in a band right now. We started it, we put the steps into motion. What's our band called? Everyone say our words. I knew you ask me that. Okay, three, two, one. Free. Camera OCD. <laughs> Winner! Ding, 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 ding. Okay, thanks for listening. I hope you learned a lot about bands and identities and all the many ways that you can have an identity in music, outside music, around music, behind it, in front of it, left, right, center, forward. Adios! Amigos. Bye-bye. Bye! All Access is made possible with the generous support of Cordova Bay Records and the Community Radio Fund of Canada. is supported by Cordova Bay Entertainment Group, supporting local music since 1998. With artists like Acres of Lions, David Gogo, Sam Weber, David West, Steph McPherson, and more. Cordova Bay Entertainment Group, celebrating 20 years of local music. Learn more at cordovabay.com.